Hello and welcome back to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host Leo and this week we are talking the absolute classic Final Fantasy 7. You know, the one that most people talk about when they talk about Final Fantasy. It's the classic one. It's probably one of the more popular ones because I believe it was the first proper one to be released on PlayStation. I believe later on, the first two, like the original two Final Fantasies were released. And then Final Fantasy V and VI were released. And then four was released with Chrono Trigger. I think the only one that didn't really make it to PlayStation was three, I think. But that's kind of that. But this was like the first one made for and released on PlayStation, followed, of course, by 8 and 9, and then 10 was the first one for PS2, but anyway, <laughs> yes, so Final Fantasy is, you know, a classic franchise, you know, it has a nice little, like, mythology thing with it, and it's just a, a beautiful little series that each entry builds upon the last, and they make some changes here and there, it's a, it's a good old time. Now, as with a lot of things, my history with this franchise is one of curiosity. I was curious about it. Of course, you hear tons of things about it. And personally, I actually had a couple of Final Fantasy games on the original PS1. Uh, well, technically, my parents had it for PS1, and I was the kid, so I played it. But for the life of me, I cannot remember which ones they were. My best guess, based off of you know, the way that things kind of worked and looked and whatnot, based off of my memory, the closest I can get to as to which game it was is it was probably Final Fantasy IX was the main one I was looking at. And then I was very confused about the other ones. I, it was a whole ordeal, to be honest. <laughs> a whole ordeal. Now, I had... I tend to, with a lot of games, have this kind of rigid outlook of wanting to play the first one first, you know? You know, I, that's part of the reason I've been having some trouble with the Nier series, is because I, I want to play the first one first. It doesn't matter, because they kind of aren't fully related to each other, but it's still one of those things that kind of grips you and makes you want to do something, right? Even if they are completely unrelated. So, I started playing the first Final Fantasy game on... PSP, because they had the, the 20th anniversary version of the game, and I played it on PSP. Now, that's probably a story for another time. In fact, I might have already said part of the story when I was talking about uh, Strangers in Paradise, because that's like a pseudo kind of remake of the first game. But I did end up getting stuck on that game and losing a ton of progress and having to restart. Sometimes that's just kind of the story of my life with RPGs. Sometimes is I always end up hitting a point where I either have to sit and grind for hours or I have to actively restart the game and respec. Happens too much, honestly. <laughs> but eventually I did end up buying Final Fantasy VII on Steam. You know, getting it to run was a little bit awkward and... I actually got it and started playing it with the intention of it being a series on my YouTube channel. And that was five years ago. Now, as with a lot of things, circumstances ended up just happening and I just ended up dropping doing my YouTube channel. Which um, I'm going to kind of do again, I'll, I'll be honest. It's not going to be fully gone. Of course, I'll still be posting the podcast to my YouTube channel and I might do an occasional stream here or there. It's just the, it's not really helping much. Nothing's really happening, and the podcast seems to be doing pretty, pretty good so far. So I feel that I should probably put more focus in actually doing the things for that. And so yeah, so there's that. But anyway, th this is an older version of that. I was doing at the time Final Fantasy VII and Tomb Raider Anniversary, I think it is, and I was I was doing them as, as like a companion series thing together. And it, it was going smoothly, but for some reason I, I ended up just st stopping, and then I would pick up Final Fantasy VII every so often to get through. In fact, when they announced the remake, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, I, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to hop in, and I'm going to at least get to the end of the first disc, because at the time I was assuming that the first game that they were doing for Final Fantasy VII Remake was going to be the first disc, and they were going to kind of like do it disc-wise, but... No, that's not the case, and it makes a lot more sense that that's not the case now, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of fun, 
from what it seems, the way it's going to be now for Final Fantasy VII Remake is that the first game, Midgar, the second game is going to be like the rest of Disc 1, maybe if we're lucky a little bit into Disc 2. And then from that point on, like the last game will be Disc 2 and Disc 3. At least that's the potential layout. We'll talk a bit more about, about Final Fantasy VII Remake later, probably at the end when we discuss some things. Now, I do also have a bit of a confession real quick before we continue. I still haven't finished the game. I am at the final boss. I have made many an attempt at the final boss so far. In fact, I had to, at one point, completely... Well, not completely, but like I had to go back to an older save and go back to the final boss and re-attempt the kind of run up to the final boss. But, we'll, again, we'll talk about that later. Mostly it's I have shit time management, one, and two. The journey ahead is a very potentially tedious one. But, yeah. Anywho, <laughs> with, with that. Yeah, so I, I started playing Final Fantasy for the YouTube channel. I got like five or seven episodes in. Hey, let me check. I got... It's in here somewhere. Uh, playlists. Da, da, da. Okay, so I got four episodes in, and it was the year of 2018 that I, I had done done that. It, it, I did four episodes, each about almost an hour long. I wasn't very confident in moving forward, and I ended up just dropping it, along with Tomb Raider. Partially with Tomb Raider, it was because I ended up getting stuck on a boss, I was getting frustrated, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I set it down, started playing it on my own. I just chipped away at it slowly for the past like five or so years. I finally got to the point where I'm at the end of the game. I just have to finish the final boss. But with that said, let's go ahead and start talking the actual story. You know, it, it's a very famous and well-known story, at least the first eight hours or so of it is, because so many people do like, like the beginning. That's, I think, part of the reason why the first remake game was solely dedicated to Midgar was because people... That's that's the main one that people remember. That's, like, the big section that people remember, especially the opening, the very beginning of the game where you appear on a train. And you just... It, it's the the train raid or the the intro sequence. So you are breaking into a reactor... As you work your way through, of course, you have the classic random battles, the bane of some people's existence. And these random battles are not the worst. They, they can get really annoying at times, especially when you're low on resources, especially in the early game, when you walk 10 feet and, and oh, there's another battle. Yay. But they're not too, too bad. This is one of the games that has a, a semi cyberpunky steampunky feel to it of course i at the time i was a little bit worried because i i, I always looked at final fantasy and i i preferred the fantasy aspect of final fantasy you know my favorite final fantasy is final fantasy 9 where for the most part it's all fantasy stuff with some airships thrown in here here and there and when they when they showed the trailer for final fantasy 15 i was like seriously it's just fucking modern now. Cars and shit. You know, to be fair, Final Fantasy VII also did some stuff like that with trains and shit. And full-on guns. And even Final Fantasy One, like, one of the, the, the super boss is a fucking robot. So, fair enough. <laughs> I got shown that, yeah, there's been technology throughout the series. So, I've eased into it a bit more. And I've platinumed Final Fantasy XV at this point. But, yeah, so, you you work your way through, you fight through the Shinra security people, uh, also known, known as Soldier, and you perform a bombing run, essentially. You go, you set a bomb, and then you are attacked by the Guard Scorpion. And the battling system in this is active. It is active combat, so the... Each character has a little time bar, and based on their speed stats and whatnot, the bar fills up, and then you are able to select your attack. If you just sit there like an idiot, your enemies will still attack you regardless. It is not fully turn-based. Now, the active battle system, I believe, was introduced at the earliest 
in the fourth game. I think. It was either introduced in the fourth game or the fifth game. But it, it's supposed to be a way to help the flow of battle feel, I guess, a bit more realistic. But I do find it a bit annoying. Especially when you end up feeling that time pressure of, oh shit, if I'm going to heal, I need to do it now. Or else I'm going to get fucking obliterated by <laughs> this guy. So, yeah, that's part of the part of the issue with with the battle system I have. I've, I've never been a big fan of the active battle system. And they've tried to tweak it every, every so often. Uh, it's pretty much been a mainstay up until the... 10th game when they went back to full turn based but then afterwards they went to a different version of an active battle system where you're even able to move around the battlefield for 12 and 13 and then 15 is just full action game at that point though there's certain bits where you can at least slow down time and even with the Final Fantasy 7 remake they've, they've, they've tweaked it you, know, you you can run around the battlefield and attack and whatnot. It, it, it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, so you, you fight the guard scorpion. And then you have... At this point, you've set a timer. And you... I believe at that point... I believe you have to fight the guard scorpion and escape all within the time. I think. It's either that or this game's a little bit more forgiving and you're able to do it. Let's see. Yeah, it looks like... Yeah, you do the time limit afterwards i think i think between the remake and this game it kind of switches up uh how you do it because i don't think you get attacked by the guard scorpion until after you set the timer in the remake but in this the timer gets set after you defeat the guard scorpion i think but to be fair a lot of it is the the random battles tend to slow you down a lot sometimes they're not too bad, but they, they do they do uh, end up being a factor. So after you destroy the reactor, you then have to get out. So you get out, you kind of explore the little area around, and then you end up in Sector 7. After you hop a train and, and, and get back home. <laughs> there, we're kind of shown a bit of Cloud's personality. So... At this point, you, you've you been working with um, Barrett, primarily. It's just you and Barrett, I think, at this point. But the other members are Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge. That That's a that's a classic thing that ends up in the Final Fantasy games. Uh, there's always, almost always a character named Biggs and a character named Wedge. At least from, I think, the third game on. Is, is when the Biggs and Wedge start being introduced. They might actually be in the second game as well, but I don't think they're in the first one. But they're they're like they're reoccurring characters that appear. Um then back at base, we're introduced to Tifa. We're introduced to Barrett's daughter, Marlene. Cloud just wants to get paid. He's become well, he's a he's a hard mercenary just out there for cash. Though Tifa is actually his childhood friend. They've known each other since they were kids. And they they hung out and they had a great time and whatnot. But, you know, ever since he joined Soldier and became a first-class soldier, he's become a bit of a dick, it would seem. Though, people always show Cloud after this game as being like a stoic, you know, a bit of a douchebag. But he's he's mostly stoic and like closed out. You know he he's he's depressed, sad boy. In the original game, he actually had some like personality and was quite quirky. In fact, very early on, he hops up on a table and just crosses his legs and is just like swinging it there. So he's a bit more cocky and like self self sure of himself. It's you know he's a little bit more fun and funny at the same time. Then. Yeah, so from this point, it's you know you kind of go around a little bit. They ask you to assist on another raid, and you agree. So now you guys attack the Sector Five reactor, but this seems to have been a bit of a trap. Well, this time Tifa joins you, but this seems to have been a little bit of a trap, as they seem to have been a bit more prepared for you. 
So you fight their big robot that they had prepared. And while Tifa and Barrett are able to escape, Cloud ends up falling from the disc all the way from Sector 5 down to Sector 8. It's at that point that he meets Aerith. Or Eris, it depends. I Supposedly, depending on the version of the game that you have, depends on what she's called. <laughs> of course, I believe you're also able to just rename her, so there's that too. But yeah, so, so you meet her. She helps guide you uh, around. Like, she, she helps take care of you for a minute while you recover and you help her out. And it's just kind of like a nice little introductory thing. Then... You head back to Sector 7. Everyone's happy to know that you're alive and whatnot. But then there, there's a bit of an issue going on in the the wall market. So the Tifa ends up being taken to the wall market. So you and Aerith, or Eris, kind of are going to try and break her out and rescue her. Because uh, I believe his name's Don Corneo. He's he's trying to you know he he the best way to put it is it's very similar to Arabian Nights, where he supposedly like brings in a new woman every like every night kind of thing, and he's you know, just a creepy lecture. So they need to break in, but in order to do so, they have to you know, get all dressed up. So this is where the whole, like, dress thing is. And Cloud has to disguise himself as a woman. Now, funnily enough, I completely, like, when I was playing, I completely missed the honeybee in, and I just couldn't go back, no matter what. Um, because I, I just didn't think to go to that section of, of the map. Because I don't think I learned about the, the, like, selection thing until a little bit too late, where you can see where... You can actually leave the map. Oh well. So, anywho. So you go chase after Tifa. Get your disguise. Break in. And then I believe based on certain things, he will then choose between Cloud, uh, Aerith, so Aerith, and Tifa, depending on choices you've made. If you're the one selected, they are given to the guards... So you have to go, I believe technically regardless, you kind of have to sort of rescue them. But you guys threaten the Dawn, and then yeah, then you have to, I believe, go through the sewers, go into the train graveyard, and then you pop back out, and then you're back in Sector 7. And then at this point, you start going towards the Shinra building, you go through the Shinra building, to, you know, take down Shinra. You find Red 13, who in my playthrough I decided to keep things a bit simple and just name him Reggie. Because it, it's kind of... It works okay. Uh, and then you, you start to notice some things happening as you go through. That um, Shinra's been visited by Sephiroth. You know, you've been hearing some whispers here and there that Sephiroth is still alive and is hanging about. And so, when you go up, you see that everyone's been slaughtered on the upper floors. And the president, who's been kind of... You've been seeing some cutscenes of here and there, has been killed. And then... Uh, you kind of have to make your escape at this point. I... I think there might be a Genova boss fight. I know that there is in the remake. So I do have to put a little bit of a disclaimer. I know that it's a little bit late to be doing this. But I did say earlier. It has been five years since I actually played the beginning of this game. So hopefully you know, my, my kind of fuzziness isn't too bad. But... You know, there's a, there's a bit of a boss fight here, and then you have to escape. At which point, you do the the mini game, the like motorcycle mini game. But then you escape, 
you escape Midgar. And that's the Midgar section. Like, the Midgar story is relatively short. And, boy, did they really stretch it out for the remake. I, I appreciate it, but at the same time, boy, howdy. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so you, you come out, and you are at Calm... That's the name of the town, and this is where we start to get some, some backstory. Like this is where we properly hear the backstory of Cloud, how he came back to town, and he, he helped Tifa. Like you know, he after he became a soldier, he came back to his town, um, at Mount Nibble. I believe he's from Nibbleheim, is the name of his town, but he he came back. And, you know, it was supposed to be like a joyous reunion and whatnot, but there was trouble at the reactor, and he was there with Sephiroth. So they go, Tifa guides them up to the, the reactor, where Sephiroth goes bonkers, Cloud has to fight off Sephiroth, Sephiroth attacks Tifa, and, you know, there's a whole ordeal. But then, from there, yeah, from there it, we kind of go into the the exploring phase because now we're in the open world. Things are bigger now. <laughs> so you go to the Chocobo farm, learn about Chocobos and whatnot, because you need to use Chocobos to cross the plains, I think. It's like this section where there's like this worm thing, and I think you have to use a chocobo to get across that to avoid having to fight the worm thing. And then you eventually end up seeing like the the power of Sephiroth, this worm thing that you can't really kill, at least at this point in the game, is absolutely destroyed by Sephiroth. It's just murdered. But you work your way to Fort Condor, you learn about their struggles, you know, and you help them with another minigame of defending Fort Condor. It's a bit of a weird one, I'll be honest. I don't think I fully understood the mechanics, but it worked out okay. It worked out. <laughs> but then you go to uh, Juon, or Junon, yeah, Junon, and there, they have a big gun. It's like this small little like hub-ish area with that's like at the base of the thing and you have to bribe your way in and then you have to sneak around I think you get into an occasional fight here or there but for the most part you then end up disguising yourself as a soldier and you join the parade for the new president of Shinra then yeah, you work your way through, and you sneak onto a ferry. The ferry takes you to uh, Costa de yeah, Costa del Sol, and then from there you work your way over to Mount Coral, eventually to the Golden Saucer. Because you have to go to the town of North Coral, I guess it's called, and that has a tram up to the golden saucer it's a weird location for it but it's there then you end up getting the uh what what should we call it dune buggy i guess i guess it is i think you get that from golden saucer or around golden saucer you get the dune buggy and you're able to then cross like the sand and whatnot to get to to uh the golden saucer and anyway <laughs> I believe it's around this time that you start kind of confronting your your party's past, specifically Barrett's past, because he, I believe, is actually from Coral. You end up confronting his his old friend, the actual father of uh, Marlene, I believe, or part of his past is is that. And it, it turns out that he survived, and you have to fight him, I think. 
so it, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's very sad. But uh, also around this time is when you can get uh, Yuffie. So once you you can encounter her in like any forest at random, and you have to do a very specific set of things to actually get her on side. Otherwise, um, you might not ever meet her. She's technically an optional party member, along with Vincent, who we will get to in a minute. But anyway, so you go to Cosmo Canyon, and it's at this point that... Yeah, you go to Cosmo Canyon, and it's at this point where you can go through some of Red Thirteen's backstory, where he he always felt angry at his, like, I think, father for abandoning him. But then he learns that the reason that his father abandoned him was to, you know, keep him safe. He ended up actually going to fight something uh, and keep it at bay, and he is now perpetually frozen uh, at the top of a cliff. So Red Thirteen comes to an understanding, and it's all, it's very sad. Uh, Let's see. Then you, you you go to the observatory, talk to the old man. He gives you kind of a breakdown of, you know, the planet's dying, but trying to fight back. It's having a bit of an issue. And, you know, Sephiroth is going to gonna try to do some stuff. And it's not good. So uh, stop that, please. So then you go back to Nibelheim. Or, you, well, you go to Nibelheim for the first time in the game, but technically... Cloud is returning to Nibelheim, and it's here that things aren't f- quite right, because the town was supposed to have burned down five years ago, but it it's not burned down anymore. In fact, there's people all around, and it's all weird. So you go around, there's these guys in hood, hoods and whatnot, mumbling. You know, you're, you're trying to figure out what's going on, things don't feel right, you explore the the mansion and this is where you come across Sephiroth it's a very weird scene he like flies out and it's like a ghost spirit thing and it, it, it's very silly but you, you explore the mansion you end up finding uh, Vincent at this point and you can recruit him into your party uh, you I think you have to get like a like a special key somewhere else in the mansion to get Vincent and to get that, you have to fight, like, a pretty hard enemy, at least for this level of the game. So, at this point, I spent, like, a good long time grinding. Especially since, according to one of the things I was looking at at the time, it recommended uh, grinding up Aerith, or Eris, because you were going to need her later on. Because she kind of forces her way into your party near the end of this disc, and... You're going to have to do some fights with her, so you might as well make sure that she's, you know, specced up to, to handle it. Or else she'll be underleveled, and you'll just have a bad time. So, I, I did that, and then after you go through Mount Nibble, you end up at Rocket Town, where you meet Sid, and you're able to get Sid on side. Though he's, I believe, a required party member, so of course he'll be on side. He has a dream of, you know, taking a rocket to space. He's been working on this rocket for Shinra for ages. He doesn't want to be working for Shinra um, at all. He, he just wants a rocket. He likes the rocket. And so he joins the party. At this point, you're able to do the... Because I believe he gives you... Whatchamacallit? What is it called? It's it's a plane. The the Bronco? Yeah, the, the tiny Bronco. So the tiny Bronco is able to do like some stuff and whatnot. And I believe it's at this point that you're able to do the the Wutai uh, side quest. Maybe. I think you might be able to. It, it's a completely optional side quest. You don't have to go to Wutai ever, technically. Then from here you work your way back to the Golden Saucer, and this is where you, depending on how you've you know built your relationships with characters, will have a specific scene with a specific character. I cannot for the life of me remember what scene I got, but it was something at some point, certainly. 
Yeah, no, I, I literally can't remember who it was. I, I think it was Tifa because I generally tend to push towards that. So it's, it was probably Tifa. Then from there, you work your way to the Temple of the Ancients. You learn about the Black Materia. You get the Black Materia. Then you go through the Sleeping Forest, which is like, I think, towards the city of... Yeah, the, the Forgotten City of the Ancients. So, yeah, you work your way through the forest, go through to the Ancients. And then I believe this is where the, you know, the whole big twist, the one that everyone knows, Aerith dies. And everyone kind of goes into a, a bit of a shock after this. But that is the end of Disc 1. Then we go to Disc 2. So everyone's still reeling after the death of Aerith. So <laughs> just, yeah, fuck it. I merged both names into one. Uh, but yeah, so, so everyone's still reeling over that. But you need to get out and cloud is starting to act a bit weird and, you know, kind of says we need to go north. So north you go, you go to a small town in the mountains and you, you solve some minor stuff there. This is where you get some of the information on, on Eris and her, her, her parentage. And, you know, it, it's a lot of learning about the past. Alright, so eventually, after learning about some of Aerith's past, you go through and you end up on Gaia's Cliff and at the Promised Land, where a whole lot of stuff goes down. Cloud is acting super weird. He ends up giving the Black Materia to Sephiroth, kind of semi sacrificing himself it, a whole lot of stuff starts breaking down where it, Sephiroth is pretty much saying that Cloud is was was never at Nibelheim five years ago in fact he claims that Cloud never existed he is but a clone of Sephiroth and that those people in the hoods that were like hanging around Nibelheim who have worked their way here are also clones of Sephiroth but failed clones and they are all but pieces of Sephiroth trying to come together to reform the full Sephiroth. So, you know, Cloud then has a bit of a mental break and ends up kind of getting getting washed away into the the whatchamacallit? What is it called? The life force? <laughs> I think it's technically called. The mana? Crap, how have I forgotten what it's called? Life stream, anyway, yeah. We're, we're shown that the guy who went through all that stuff was a guy named Zach, and he's the one that went to Nibelheim all those years ago. He's the one that tried to save Tifa and whatnot. And technically, that all of Cloud's memories of his time at Nibelheim were implanted because of Tifa, in a in a way, her kind of impression of a childhood friend that she lost ages ago kind of grafted onto cloud it is very weird and confusing but anywho for, for now we start kind of following tifa and barrett as they wake up back in junon where they have been kind of captured by shinra the the weapons have been awakened specifically um ultimate weapon and diamond weapon have have awoken and ultimate weapon is kind of hassling Junon at the moment. But they're trying to keep it at bay with the big gun. But anywho, you have to now escape. You escape Junon, and there's a whole like battle sequence and whatnot. Tifa and um Scarlet, who we haven't really mentioned, is Scarlet is one of the Shinra bad guys. She gets kind of dealt with a little bit later, along with um I think the guy's name is Hodor. I think is his name. She 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 works with the the main military guy for Shinra. It, it's a it's a whole mess, and uh, and yeah, <laughs> but you make your way to Medil where you find Cloud. Cloud's here. He kind of just washed up. So Tifa decides to 
hang with Cloud to, you know, keep him safe, um, while the rest of the crew goes hunting for huge materia. So Shinra is currently gathering huge materia to help power the gun that they've taken and mounted on Midgar. So they took the gun from Junon, mounted it on Midgar, but made it a bit bigger to kind of act as like a railgun and feed the power from from the reactors to, to power the gun. They did this very fast, by the way. But yeah, so they're hunting huge materia because their other plan, because Sephiroth has summoned Meteor, and their plan is to try to load the huge materia into a rocket, shoot it into space, and blow up Meteor. But that does not, that does not work. Anywho, so you go back to Medeal to check up on Tifa, see how things are going. They're not going great. Uh, I believe ultimate weapon attacks, you fight off ultimate weapon. Then Tifa ends up falling into the life stream with Cloud. And so while in there, she starts untangling the truth of Cloud. It turns out that yes, Cloud was indeed her childhood friend, but at the same time, no, he absolutely was not. He wanted to be her friend. She was always a outside figure in his life. He was a bit of a loner and felt separated from the other kids, but he obviously had a bit of a crush on Tifa. And he even, you know, followed her around a bit, wanting to be part of that group. But during an incident, when Tifa and Cloud go, well, Tifa decides to kind of go up Mount uh, Nibble, and her friends start following her, but kind of trail off because they get scared. Cloud follows. Even though he follows, he runs into a bit of an issue where he, she gets in trouble and he's not able to save her. He ends up getting blamed and kind of shunned a bit for it. Because Tifa was very popular um, in the town. But... You know, he, he still kind of forges on. He ends up developing a need, a want to get stronger so that he could have protected her. And so oh, she ended up in a coma for like a few days, I believe. But yeah, so he, he ends up building this desire to get stronger. And he figures that the best way to do that would be to join Soldier. You know, the Shinra company and become super strong. So, he calls her out one day, uh, I believe specifically on a day where she's not feeling great. I believe that's a day that one of her parents died, I think. But, anywho, he, he calls her out to the water tower and tells her uh, what he intended to do. He intends to leave, join Soldier. She's a bit confused by it, but it does end up leaving an impression on her and you know she asks hey you know if i'm ever in trouble come come save me and he promises that he will and then he leaves and that did leave an impression on her and she did always wonder you know like he was always at the back of her mind when she kept wondering i wonder how cloud's doing she kept checking newspaper articles to see if he had made it to soldier and was starting to make headlines but nothing then, you know, the whole five years earlier incident happens where, yes, indeed, he was not the one there. He was there, though. He wasn't a soldier because he wasn't able to make it in soldier. He didn't quite qualify for the program. He, he, he was basically just a normal grunt soldier at that point. Um, he was there with Zack and Sephiroth, and he was there when things kind of went to shit. He is the one that tried to turn Tifa away at the reactor, but she of course forged on anyway, and he did indeed go to face off against Sephiroth afterwards. You know, he, him and Zack did try to fight Sephiroth. Zack got knocked out, but Cloud went in, 
fought Sephiroth and got Tifa out of there. And that's the thing. Then he was drafted into... Like, b between that and the Midgar thing, one, you can easily miss this bit of the story, by the way. Uh, the, the bit that I'm about to talk about, you can miss it. The in-between the five years ago incident and him arriving at Midgar, you can miss. So, to do this, on disc three, you have to go back to the mansion to get this scene. And I'm talking about it a little bit early, but it, it's fair enough to talk about now. <laughs> because, it, again, you can miss it, and it's kind of unrelated to the overall story. Basically, what ends up happening is Cloud is kind of drafted into the the soldier program by force, sort of, because he technically was the one to, to kill Sephiroth and whatnot. And he's experimented on. Some Genova cells are put into him. That is just kind of the soldier. That's how soldiers are supposedly made, is some Genova cells are put in. Thus, part of why he's able to be controlled by Sephiroth and all the weirdness that went on uh, earlier in the game. Him and Zack escape. Now, it's a bit weird, because if you investigate the two test tubes in the mansion, one says... Uh, we need to get out of here. And then the other one says, um, like, during this time. You know, <laughs> not super subtle um, escape plan planning. But yeah, so him and Zach end up breaking out and escaping. And they go on the run. They get a ride to Midgar. Zach starts spouting his dreams about wanting to be a mercenary. Cloud's kind of catatonic at this point how he was able to scratch the we need to get out of here thing I don't know but he's he's catatonic and eventually they make it to Midgar Cloud's like knocked out Zack gets killed and Cloud is left alone because they assume that he's like pretty much going to die anyway so they just leave him alone and he recovers and pretty much absorbs Zack's personality and his dreams essentially through, like, pseudo-osmosis, I guess you could call it. <laughs> Mental osmosis because of all the trauma, I guess you could say. But, so yeah, he takes up the sword, he goes down, becomes a mercenary, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated thing <laughs> that happened to him. But after that, he he's able to recover. He is fully recovered and... His personality is actually a bit different now. He's a lot more reserved. He's not quite so bombastic and standoffish. He's now kind of shy and awkward. Um, but yeah, so you get the last... Well, not the last one. Uh, you get the huge materia from the underwater reactor near uh, Junon. Then you go back to Rocket City... Uh, hop on the fight your way to the rocket it's set on an automatic launch you end up being launched into space on the rocket you take the huge materia out of the rocket and then you escape you have collected all the huge materia congratulations the rocket regardless fails to destroy uh the meteor and so now you must start figuring things out a bit so this is where we learn what Aerith's plan was. So you go back to the Forgotten City with the uh, with the old man that uh, explains stuff to you back at Cosmo Canyon. He explains to you more in the ancient city that there's like this music box thing and it explains that there is a materia that counteracts the black materia called Holy where it's pretty much like a prayer to the earth to cleanse itself of what it deems uh, to be harming it. And that is what Aerith was doing. She was charging Holy when she was killed. And according to them, it worked. 
while we don't have holy, it should still, in theory, work from wherever it is because they were a she or she was able to charge it. So then you have to work your way back to Midgar, where Diamond Weapon attacks. You have to fight Diamond Weapon. It gets shot by a railgun and dies. Uh, then you go into Midgar, you break in, and you uh, on in Diamond Weapon's attack, he it killed killed President Rufus, uh, the Shinra president. So of what's her face, Scarlet, and I'm just gonna say Hodor. <laughs> I think that's his name, the military guy. Uh, they are trying to assume de facto kind of control. And I think his name is Singh, who's part of the Turks, who's this group that's been kind of hassling you throughout the game. Though they're pretty chill. They, uh, he, he's, I believe, Kate Sith? That's the impression I've been getting the, the, through the game. I, I don't know if it's fully directly stated that that is who Kate Sith is, but I'm pretty sure that that's who Kate Sith is. It's like, because early on you learn that Kate Sith is very obviously a agent for Shinra. You, I believe you meet him at the um, Golden Saucer. And he's supposed to be a spy. Now, he's not really a spy. He He's a Shinra agent. That's what we learn. That is just hanging around and he he was planning on spying on them but he decided against it and he wants to really help them he ends up sacrificing himself and then just comes back in a new body because literally his he's just a plush toy so being controlled remotely by this this agent but yeah i believe he he's the leader of the turks <laughs> but anyway um he, he wants to keep things calm, but they're like, no, we want the fight. So you go fight them. They stop. You defeat Shinra. Shinra's gone. Done. Tick. Now it's time to, to move on. And that's where Disc 3 comes in. Disc 3 is literally just wrap-up. Seriously. This is where you can get the scene uh, that we just talked about with Cloud. But otherwise, you go into the crater, the northern crater... And you work your way down, and then you fight the final boss. The final boss is in three phases, technically. So you work your way down, and once you hit the point of no return, you you fight Genova. Then you fight one version of Sephiroth, and then you fight the final version of Sephiroth. Now, I've gotten all the way to the final version of Sephiroth, but then I died. And funnily enough, if you die in the final battle with Sephiroth, the game counts it as you having beaten Sephiroth and gives you the trophy for getting Omni Slash if you haven't gotten it at that point, which I find funny. The other way to get Omni Slash is a very tedious thing. And yes, so let's let's start talking some mechanics. Well, real quick, let's say that's the end of the game. You know, presumably you defeat the boss... You win. I know that there's supposed to be another scene where, you know, Sephiroth's still there. So, Cloud, it's just him and Cloud. You have to wait for Cloud's limit to charge. And then you use Omni Slash. That's why you technically get Omni Slash if you defeat the actual final boss of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> but, anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> The mechanics. Why haven't I beaten the final boss yet? So, that's partially time management. I've been working on the game that I'm going to be talking about next week. Right now. <laughs> and I focused a little bit too hard on that. Basically, the game I'm working on right now is Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero. And I needed to finish, I need to finish the game. Like, similarly with Final Fantasy VII, I need to finish the game for, for that. Because at least with Final Fantasy VII, I'm pretty sure that there isn't going to be all that much in the way of, like, cutscenes at the end. At least I'm, I don't feel like there's going to be all that much in the way of cutscenes. I hope there is. 
I'd like to know if there's like a good feeling of definitive conclusion. But otherwise, I'm not fully expecting it. I know for a fact, because it's a Trails game, that Trails from Zero is going to have like 20 minutes to an hour's worth of fucking cutscenes at the end. Where everyone's just talking and then potential setup for the sequel. I know that there's a sequel to this game. A direct one. It's Trails Trails to Azure or Trails from Azure or Trails that are Azure. <laughs> I know it's Trails Azure. Um, but, yeah. Now, I, I had blocked out certain weeks for each chapter. The game is split into five chapters. And this coming up week after this episode comes out. I was supposed to do chapter 5. Well, I got a little bit ahead of myself last week. And this weekend I kind of made a bit of a push to to get as close to the end as I could. And I believe I already said, but I'm at about the same point in that game as I am with this game. I'm at the final boss. So now it's pretty even. So at that point I was like, okay, I can push off that until later and then I'll just do the boss real quick. I was able to once, once I did the first one, I placed the save, because during the whole, like, end dungeon thing, you're given a pretty much portable checkpoint, or a save point. Because in the game, the way you save is at, not on the overworld map, when not on the overworld map, you have to find the little question marks. And these question marks are where you can save. Uh, in the Final Fantasy remake, it's... Uh, benches there's save benches with the little question mark but yeah in the original they're just these big question marks that you you have to touch and then you can save you're given a save crystal at the end and you can place it anywhere within the final dungeon save for i believe after the point of no return although you might be able to uh it's kind of useless if you put it in the point of no return because well, you can't go back at that point. You're kind of stuck then grinding in the point of no return if you so choose to do so. Though technically, it is one of the fastest ways to grind the, the point of no return area. But, yeah. So, the issue I'm coming across is my team is powerful enough to get through the the first two bosses, but not quite powerful enough to defeat the last boss. Also known as, I think it's called Safer Sephiroth. Here, let me check. It is called, yeah, Safer Sephiroth. Because <laughs> the three bosses are Genova Synthesis, Bizarro Sephiroth, and then Safer Sephiroth. And their HP and whatnot is based off of a variety of things. And it's very annoying and not super easy to kill it is it's it's a pain <laughs> but but yeah so the first time i did it i placed the save crystal at the first meeting place and i was like okay cool i can use this as like a grinding thing but then i learned no that's a really bad idea because the run up is a fucking nightmare. And so... Which means that if you fail... At the final boss... And you die... At the final boss... It means you have to do... The run up... All the way to... The point of no return... Again. And then you have to... Yeah. When I learned that that was... What it was going to be like... I was like... Nah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm going to... I'm going to... Go to an older save... Get the save crystal again. And place it at the end. I also decided to do a little bit of grinding. So I was at the level... I was at the level I was at when I first placed the save crystal. Or when I first did a little bit of grinding near the save crystal. Uh, by the time I, you know... Went to attempt the run-up to put the save crystal down again. If that makes any sense. Hopefully it does. <laughs> but yeah, so I did that. I went and got some ultimate weapons as well to try to make things a little bit easier. And to, to be fair, for the most part, it did. 
and I got some good materia, and things are looking okay. It's just that Safer Sephiroth hits like a fucking truck, and it's very easy to die, and it's very, you know, demotivating to know that you're going to have to do that run-up again. Even if it's a shorter run-up, it's still, you have to fight the other two bosses again. And hell, as it was, the issue I was having was getting to, like, the Genova. You have to go down these, like, stone steps thing, and, uh, like these, these floating stones. And there's a good chance that you'll end up getting a random encounter at that point. And most of the random encounters, it's like between two, for the most part, the two random encounters are uh, like an iron golem, like a big iron guy, and a zombie dragon. And if you... The zombie dragon's much easier to kill, in my opinion. And the iron knight kept killing Cloud. So Cloud, whenever we were able to skirt by in one of the iron knight battles... um, Cloud got no experience, so that was rough. <laughs> but then I was able to get through uh, Genova Synthesis, Bizarro Sephiroth, and then I got to Sephiroth, uh, Safer Sephiroth again, and it just, it didn't work. So for the most part, I will get to it. I will do it, I promise. <laughs> but it's it's rougher. It, it's rougher to do again my favorite final fantasy is still nine i think and i will eventually do an episode on it and that's going to be fun because i've been playing it for about as long as final fantasy (laughs) seven i'm so close to the end damn it uh i'm in a good grinding spot though in final fantasy nine anywho uh let's see what else is there to talk about now that we've gotten through the story uh yeah so grinding and the the good items so the good items are kind of trapped behind annoying side quests annoying extremely tedious side quests so <sighs> to get some of the most powerful materia you have to do the chocobo side quest the chocobo side quest is catching, breeding, and uh, racing chocobos. In fact, I I did a good chunk of the chocobo side quest in order to get a good enough chocobo, to get enough money, to get one of the best materia you can from the Golden Saucer, and that is the EXP Plus materia. This materia as its name implies, gives you more experience per thing. And it starts at 1.5, and when it levels up, it goes to two times. So you get double experience per fight. Very useful for grinding. But I got it, started grinding, and it was going okay. But it got a bit tedious. So, at that point, I kind of decided to move on. Though I did go and I defeated Ultimate Weapon, got the ultimate sword or uh i got uh, tifa and barrett's ultimate weapons so i have them tifa and barrett's ultimate weapons are just kind of fucking lying around when you go to hunt for them they're they're just around uh tifa's is a little bit more annoying because you have to get hers you have to go to um you have to go to the fossil place have them dig it up dig up a key to get back into Midgar um, to actually be able to explore Midgar properly. Well, I say explore it properly. You you can go to the wall market and sector and the rest of sector 8. That's also known as um, the church where Aerith uh, hung out and Cloud fell through. But yeah, so there's that. You, then I, 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 I would have liked to have gotten Omni Slash early, that way I, I would have it, or finished, because you can't get Knights of the Round until you get a Golden Chocobo so that you can cross the oceans on a Chocobo. If you do that, then you go to a, like a very hidden Materia Cave and then you can get Knights of the Round. 
tedious and annoying. So I just didn't do it. Then there's the... You can you can get Omni Slash. Now that's of course if if Cloud's able to even learn it at this point. I'm not sure if he can. But it's also stupidly expensive from the battle arena on the Golden Saucer. Basically, in order to get it, you would have to do a pretty much perfect run through the the battle arena or sit there and grind. And the issue is, the way the Golden Saucer works is they have their own currency within the Golden Saucer, known as, I think, GP or Game Points or whatever. You can get Game Points directly through cash if you find the guy that's just kind of hanging around near the entrance. If you find him, he'll give you a pretty much... 1 to 100 conversion rate, i.e. 1 game point to 100, like, uh, gil. Now, I'm, I was fine for gil, I'm, I'm pretty flush with cash by this point in the game, so I, I, I would loop him around to get that. But the thing is, in the battle arena, you can't buy anything with game points except for tickets to fight in the arena. So you have to have a good amount of the game points in order to get battle points. And there's no direct conversion of game points to battle points except for going through the battle arena, getting a shit ton of the points that way. And it's like a multiplier thing, so the more the more rounds you do and random like uh, handicaps you take, the more materia, or not materia, more uh, battle points you earn. It's theoretically possible to get it in one if you get like the perfect run of relatively easy things in the early thing and then the uh, all materia deactivated for the last one. If you get like perfect combos that way, then you're golden. If not, you're kind of fucked. So, so yeah, it's a, it's a bit rough. So I, I gave up on that, and I was like, you know what, I should be okay to take on the final boss, and it just did not turn out that way. Oh well. But yeah, the, other than that, the thing that's kind of annoying is the fact that a lot of scenes are hidden. Like, there's nothing pointing you to go back to the mansion in the third disc at all. In fact, you're pretty much directed to go straight to the end of the game and fight Sephiroth. So, it's kind of weird, I think, if, um, that, like, the, the scene with the mansion, hidden. Even more hidden is the scenes with Vincent, like, Vincent's backstory, which, that tells you everything about him. Now, to be fair, he's technically an optional character, so, yeah, but yeah, his backstory's super sad. And it's also the origin of Sephiroth. Like, you kind of learn it anyway when you confront him in the uh, raid on Midgar. And you, you kill him uh, on the raid on Midgar. But otherwise, it's hidden completely. And you don't get the full story or like some special items in unless you 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 go looking for that it's really sad but uh, yeah with, with, with that I, I think that's a pretty good place to kind of leave it off I enjoyed the game I'm very much looking forward to the second part of the remake I will be playing it I might even at some point play replay the uh, first part uh, Final Fantasy remake and I might do an episode on it at some point. Probably a little bit after uh, the the second part, Rebirth, comes out. Because I, I, I do have things pretty much planned through, through to April. Though some things might change, to be fair. Might. <laughs> As I have applied to another adventure... 
We shall see if if I get it. I'll probably find out within the next week or so. But otherwise, I do think that everything should work out okay, even if I do go on an adventure. I can have some things pre-done, some things not pre-done. But otherwise, we'll see. You know, it's going to be a fun time. <laughs> uh, what else was it? Yeah, so things that I'm expecting. So for, for Remake, there's the... The obvious weight of the original story. Are they going to follow the original story? And I took the ending of Remake as a blatant sign saying that, no, we're going to change some stuff. Things aren't set in stone from this point on. In fact, a big part of like Remake's story is... These fucking ghost things are trying to make sure that the story stays on track. And we don't want to fucking follow that. So, yeah, we'll we'll see how things go. But, with that said, we'll go ahead and leave it. Next episode is going to be on Legend of Heroes Trails from Zero. It's going to be another ordeal episode. It, it I That one I will finish. I, I promise... I will finish it, and if I finish Final Fantasy VII between now and when I record that episode, I will give you guys an update on the very end of the game. See, I didn't even look up the ending to talk about it. I, I, I know that they they win, <laughs> and then uh, Advent Children happens, and Dirge of Cerberus? Question mark. Uh, but. Yeah. Uh, let me think. Da, da, da. Yeah. So, yeah, if, if I do that, I will keep you guys updated on that. But, anywho, I will have a lot to discuss next week as it is. So, we'll see how things go. Anywho, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys enjoyed this uh, on YouTube, feel free to give it a like, comment, and subscribe. Otherwise, on any podcast catcher of your choice, feel free to rate and review it um, and share it with your friends, as uh, word of mouth is always good. Anywho, once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys next week. Goodbye. <laughs>